0: You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Lynn. Today's topic is entitled The Church. Hello, my radio friends. Glad you've tuned in today to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. Today we'll be looking at the church and its history. There are lessons to be learned from what happened. Now, please understand that the term the church usually refers to the body of people who claim to belong to God. In a secondary sense, the church is a building, but I won't be talking about buildings today. In these modern times, the church still refers to all God's people, regardless of what religious persuasion they belong to. But within that, there are separate people groups who hold similar beliefs to each other. I understand ...that at the moment there are something like 30,000 identifiable religious groups worldwide. Which one is the right group? And you might also ask, why are there so many church groups? We've considered that subject in a previous program. But the simple answer is that some groups have concentrated only on certain parts of the Bible and formed their belief system around those parts. Others have remained faithful to the discoveries of a particular Protestant reformer, and have remained static ever since. Other church groups have been influenced by paganism, and have incorporated into their creed or beliefs certain traditions and ideologies that made them separate. Some church groups base their beliefs only on the Bible. The Latin for that is sola scriptura. Others use parts of the Bible plus a certain amount of paganism and end up with a mixture of error and truth. Very often those churches hold tradition as important or more important than the Bible. Other church groups believe in the Bible but have placed their own interpretations on certain sections. Probably the majority of Christian churches fall into this category. Some church groups give their allegiance to some great leader and believe and do what that leader tells them to. Mostly these groups do not fall into mainstream Christianity and would probably be better known as sects. So it might seem quite confusing to know which is the right church to belong to. Yet it seems, at least with Christianity, that all the different Christian religions come from a common parent, the early apostolic church. Why is it called apostolic? The answer is that it was the church that formed under the guidance and influence of the Holy Spirit through the apostles after Jesus had returned to heaven. It would be a wise thing to examine what the early apostolic church was like in order to determine which modern church is closest to that model. The church that is most similar to the early apostolic church would be a good church to belong to. Jesus gave instructions to his disciples, later known as the apostles, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. The commission to call people to God was given by none other than God the Son. That commission is as, is as valid today as it was 2,000 years ago. After Jesus left to go back to heaven, his followers were told to wait because power would be given to them to effectively spread the good news of salvation. About 120 disciples or followers were gathered together in a room somewhere in Jerusalem when suddenly the sound of a violent wind was heard, although there was no accompanying storm. Then... Inside the room they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. You can read that yourself from Acts 2 verses 3 and 4. The following few verses tell of 16 different languages that the disciples spoke. The sound of the wind must have also been heard outside the room and before long a curious crowd gathered. The disciples went outside too and Peter one of the leading disciples spoke to the people telling them about Jesus whom the Jews crucified and who was resurrected. Peter, no doubt, with the help of the other disciples, who probably interpreted what was said, called the people to repentance for their part in rejecting Jesus as their Saviour. Collectively, the people accepted the message, and many were baptised. That day, 3,000 people became Christians. It wasn't very long after when Peter and John were boldly teaching another crowd of people. On this occasion, as it says in Acts 4.31, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the Word of God boldly. Here, There is no mention of the people being given any special language speaking ability but here what was given was courage and power to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. By this time the church had grown so that it numbered at least 5,000 men besides women and children. Logistically this was a problem with such a huge influx of membership, many of whom were poor and or ostracised by the Jews, a large number of these new believers needed to be fed and provided with shelter. Some of the wealthier believers sold their properties and gave of their resources to support the new needy Christians. The church, that is the movement, continued to grow rapidly and powerfully and it became known as The Way. Most of the new believers were ex-Jews. This movement was seen as a threat by the establishment of the Jews who were opposed to it. With such large numbers of converts coming into the church, it was also necessary to establish order. So the twelve apostles, aware that teaching and preaching needed to continue, selected seven worthy, capable and honest men to serve as deacons. They were to look after the food distribution and welfare of the Christian congregation. The names of the seven are recorded in Acts chapter 6 verse 5. One of these men was Stephen, described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Besides being a good organiser, Stephen came into severe opposition with the Jewish leadership. He spoke with power and authority to the degree that on one occasion the enraged Jews covered their ears And yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. If you want to read about that, it's from Acts 7, verse 57. This particular event occurred three and a half years after the crucifixion of Christ. After this, persecution set in, and the Christians in order to save their lives, left Jerusalem and scattered to the surrounding areas and countries. This had the effect of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to new places and an even greater increase in the growing membership of the church took place. The church thrived. But as well as having a positive influence, there were negative influences affecting the church. Over the decades, because Christians had gone into pagan areas, the purity of the new church began to become tainted. Certain pagan practices and beliefs began to creep into the church, and some Christians compromised their beliefs with the beliefs of the pagans. Another problem was that unlike the new church that was set up in Jerusalem where the apostles were able to provide provide guidance, many of the far-flung members were left to their own resources, and hence compromises came in. Nevertheless, some Christian groups did maintain the purity of the gospel as it was taught by the apostles. These groups we would call the Orthodox Christians. In later times, during the years of the Protestant Reformation, there still existed doctrinally pure Christians. Some of these were the Lombards, the Waldenses, and the Albigenses. Pockets of God-fearing believers continued. Later, The Apostles also carried the good news of Jesus Christ to different places. For example, to Greece, Ethiopia, the Mediterranean region, and even, we're told, as far as India. What was the early Christian church like? We're going to stop and answer that question after the break.
1: It's a rocky old road This old heart of mine is a hurting from a heavy load Only Jesus knows the way my heart went wrong But the Lord he knows I'm about to bring it on home Whoa, I'm bringing it, bringing it Yeah, I'm bringing it, bringing it Yeah, I said I'm bringing it. Mm, the cool heart's been away uh, too long, and I'm uh, bringing it home. I'm uh, bringing it home. be lightning and thunder and an earthquakes in the ground Well, don't you let the devil tell you that your hope is gone There'll be a whole lot of hearts that will uh, never go home Well, that's right, I'm bringing it, bringing it Yeah, I'm bringing it, bringing it uh-huh, I'm bringing it
0: Just before the break, I asked the question, what was the early Christian church like? When you answer, or when we have the answers to that, as I said to you earlier, any church in these modern times that's like that church is a good church to belong to. Well, the earliest believers were mostly ex-Jews. Therefore many Jewish beliefs and practices existed in the early Christian church. Jewish thought, that is their philosophy or to put it in modern terms their world view was based on the scriptures, on the books written by Moses, the psalms and the prophets. Therefore Christianity included similar philosophy a second aspect was that the church was filled by power because it was led by the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the church was mission-oriented and it spread the good news of salvation far and wide. Next, the church believed in the second coming of Jesus, the Advent. The people expected that Jesus would come in their lifetimes they were admonished to be ready for that event. Little did they know that they would all be dead before Jesus would come again. But that hope is still alive and well in many church groups these days, although some churches seem to be consumed with their rites and liturgies and ceremonies and appear to have lost hope in the soon returning Saviour. Another aspect was that the church was organized. Some of the apostles became the controlling body, the inner circle, if you like, with elders and deacons appointed as overseers of the membership. Another aspect was that the fact that the church was democratically control, was a democratically controlled institution. No single individual, held absolute power. Every member was considered to be of equal value. The church, at least during the first couple of generations, was reasonably doctrinally pure and stayed true to what was taught by the apostles. In the next program, I'm going to share with you what the apostolic church members believed. I'll also share with you areas of their belief and practice that were out of harmony with the Apostles' teaching. This will be a special interest program, and don't miss it whatever you do. So the church was scattered, and since it was scattered, it was more difficult to control. As I said to you earlier, the church had expanded into different parts of the world and was subject to different pressures and different philosophies than what it started out with. For example, much of the philosophical thinking of the day was Judeo- Judeo-Christian thought based on the scriptures. But the Greeks had a different belief system, but not entirely exclusive to them, that there were many gods who specialised in one particular area or another. For example, there was Zeus, the god of sky, the sky, Eros, the god of love, Ares, the god of war, and Poseidon, the god of the sea. And besides that, there were other influencers of Greek thought. The Greek philosoph- philosophers such as Plato, Aristotle, Socrates... And many others. One Greek philosophical idea was the belief that human beings are made up of two separate entities, body and mind or spirit. This had far reaching influences on the young Christian church. Some of these influences reach right down to these modern times. So the church was subject to pressures from the cultures of the areas where the believers settled. Sadly, over the passage of time, a large number of the original teachings of the church disappeared or were modified or compromised. There were other pressures too. Because of the animosities the Jews had for the Romans... And because the dislike the Romans had for the Jews, the Christian church considered to be an offshoot of the Jewish religion was relatively unpopular. Coupled with that fact, and including the rapid and widespread growth of the Christian church, Christians became objects of persecution the Roman Emperor Nero seemed to take delight in persecuting Christians. And it is said that Nero set fire to Rome and blamed it on the Christians in order to sway public opinion and sympathies away from Christianity. Nero was emperor from AD 54 to AD 68. No doubt you've heard of the Colosseum in Rome where Christians became the target of bizarre entertainment for the Roman masses. Unarmed Christians were put into the arena and hungry lions were then released. In most cases, the Christians were killed and eaten by the lions, and that not because they were criminals, but purely because their beliefs were different than those held by the dominant cultural group. Despite such treatment the Christian church continued to flourish and so many people identified as Christians that they became a force to be reckoned with. Christianity at one stage almost became popular. The Roman Emperor Constantine, it is said, converted to Christianity at around 313 AD. Whether it was a political or genuine conversion is of some doubt, but at least at that time Christianity was accepted. In 325 AD, at the Council of Nicaea, the Nicene Creed was signed by the Christians of the day. Some might regard that as a good thing, yet other Christians thought it a bad thing, especially as it meant a marriage of Christianity and paganism, opening the door to Christians adopting pagan festivals, practices, and even the acceptance of pagan gods. By this time the pure Christianity taught by the apostles was generally lost and only a form of Christianity remained, so different that it was almost unrecognizable from the apostolic form. It remained this way up until the time of the Protestant Reformers in the 1500s. The Roman Catholic religion is based on the pagan Christian form of Christianity starting out at the time of Constantine. You know friends there is so much more to say about this topic. And so I urge you to tune in next time when we will look at the warnings, errors and admonition given to the church during its formative years. Be listening, won't you? Until then, this is Len signing off, and I wish you God's blessings and peace and hope.